0: Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. Uh, Simone de Rochefort, your usual uh, host and and person with a great laugh, decided to go to Canada. Is that where she is, Bree?
1: Yes, that's it. She's in the, the faraway, magical land of Canada this week.
0: Yeah, she's in Canada land. And so it is just Rihanna Wu and I, Rihanna Wu, a Democratic candidate for Congress. And <laughs> I am Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft. And uh, this episode is brought to you by Pingdom, Zapier, and Eero. So we, uh, we recorded last week on Tuesday, and it was like the most Rocket Rules thing ever because literally, I don't know, like eight, nine hours after we recorded, um, the Microsoft Surface event um, took place. And so, uh, in disclosure, yes, I work at Microsoft. No, I didn't know anything about any of this stuff and and haven't even played with it um, and we will also be objective. Um, so we're going to talk about the Surface event, and then we're going to talk about... This stuff that's happening in Hong Kong with Blizzard and the NBA and some of the other stuff. And uh, then finally, we're going to, uh, Brianna and I are going to share some thoughts on uh, on the Joker.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's a lot to discuss. I know discuss. there's some politics about it, but spoiler, I think those politics are a little overblown personally.
0: Okay. All right. We're going to get into it. Uh, all right. But, but, all but first up, let's talk about the Microsoft event. And Brielle, kind of let you take it away.
1: Yeah, uh, so let's go through this. So, we, we kind of notified rocket listeners about this last week before the show. This was a stunningly great event. I mean, it was, it was just unbelievably good and everything like I watched it as I was at the office and everything they put out I was like I want it I yeah. want it more it was it was like I hope I get away from this event without spending ten thousand dollars Totally, so good yeah so. no
0: I I felt the same way and, and look obviously look and, and I'm gonna say this a number of times on the show I do work at Microsoft but not in this division and as most listeners will know I'm I actually spend a lot more money on Apple products every year than Microsoft products but This was, yeah, you're right. Like, as me being as totally objective as I can be, um, I I was so impressed. I was really stoked to see what what they came out with. Uh, There was uh, the, the, we're going to go down the list, but um, they had uh, new laptops, new Surface devices, and then they showed off some things that will be coming out next year.
1: So let's start at the sexiest thing. Let's like yeah. do reverse porn. We're gonna start with the, like, <laughs> the, the the most magical moment of the entire thing. Reverse porn. So, I, I, reverse can that, porn. Can that, can that be our episode title? title? Yeah, okay. That's the episode title. Okay. Surface duo. I am hyper psyched for this. I I'm unbelievably pumped. But you tell me what what do you think of this?
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it looks like a, such a cool concept. Um, it's one of those things where I know that John Gruber was critical that, and some other people were too, they were like, oh, you know, this, this isn't the sort of thing you should show off until it's done. And, and obviously this is one of those things that, um, you know, oh,
1: Apple power, uh, right. Oh, no, me. I, well, totally. Oh, well, 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 I actually, oh, excuse totally. Me. Oh. But I mean, but
0: I think in, in, um, in some cases, like, I could understand that critique. I don't quite get it this time. we will talk more about that um, a little bit later. But, Can we tell listeners what this is yes. before so we get I was gonna super in-depth? So, yeah. so the Surface uh, Neo uh, is basically, if anybody remembers the old Courier tablet concept, which never was made as far as I know. It was just like a Microsoft research thing. It's basically like you have two, I would say, like small, mid-sized like, iPads, a little bit bigger than an iPad mini, um, and there's a hinge, and they are uh, it's kind of like one device you can open it up and it's it's uh you know you have either two distinct uh, parts that you can use side by sides. You could, you know, kind of use it like a book. You could also turn it around and use it like um, a regular, you know, laptop where you could use the bottom screen as kind of a a touchpad, uh, and It's got like kind of a touch bar type of thing. Um, I think they call it the awesome bar or something like that. I don't know, I can't remember the name. Um, You can also clip a keyboard to it so you could actually, you know, have a tactile keyboard to type onto um, or, you know, write things side by side. So it's basically a dual screened, um, full tablet device, which, um, you know, folds up and it, you know, has kind of the, I guess it's, it's like a slightly larger, um, I guess what, what's the, what's the type of notebook, you know, the, the, the the notebook that everybody writes in. So it's, it's, it's one of those, I guess. Oh,
1: MacBook Air. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I think um, so. And just came back to that critique. I think one of the reasons that uh, that Microsoft did announce this way in the future, uh, in the past, it's going to come out next year, is because this is the kind of experience is going to live and die based on the
0: software. I 1,000% agree.
1: And the developer experience. Like, if this ends up being something, like, imagine Photoshop, if you're trying to, like, run it on one side of the screen, it's just half, you've got this huge hinge in the middle, that is going to be mega fail. But if you get developers to go through And really um, tailored their their experience for this device. Imagine running Photoshop on a device like this—super, super, super, like compact. And you've got your toolbars and your channel information Uh at the bottom, and you can just touch it. And And you can you can
0: you can touch it, and then you can use um, you know the you can draw on it, right? Right. Like so, you could have one of the screens that's just dedicated to your drawing space, and the other would just be all of your panels and um, adjustments.
1: Right. So I I really understand Microsoft doing that. I think they're going to have to be very very liberal in giving this to developers though because it's yeah. a it's a fantastic idea. I I really, you know, we didn't cover this on the show. They did uh, re-release the Galaxy Fold. Joanna Stern, friend of the show has yeah. a great video <laughs> it's of her fantastic. living in a tent, <laughs> trying to hide all the dirt from it. And I I don't know how you feel, Christina. I've come to the conclusion that this is a fant it's, it's a Fantastic prototype device. Yeah. But as far as being a product the public can use is just not there yet.
0: No, and I think especially the price, especially, you know, Joanna's video, which is great, we'll, we'll link to it. She gets inside a bubble because you have to kind of be in a bubble to use this. And I think that's actually what I like a lot about uh, the Service Neo's concept is that it's, you know, it, it's still small. Um, so so it's, you know, smaller than like a, you know, a small MacBook or MacBook Air, you know, it's a, um, but but it's one of those things where, you um, Rather than being uh, I guess, having like foldable in kind of the way where you try to have like kind of like a one screen experience, like what you do with the Galaxy Fold, um, it has a it has a, a hinge that it very much embraces. Right. You know, it's very much treating it like this is this is a, a dual screen device rather than something um that is, you know, trying to be like, Oh, we're trying to hide this this bold, you know, feature, yeah. right? Which I think is the right approach. But I
1: also I do too, yeah. I mean, hopefully it will get to the point we can have folds there that work. Yeah, it's totally. It's just too early, it's right? It's too
0: early. And and I think, you know, um, what they showed off and, and what some journalists uh, got hands-on with and, and we'll link to The versions and some other places that um, were able to to test things out um, in very controlled circumstances um, in advance was is, is still a prototype, right? Like, the hardware is not completely finalized. A lot of people are complaining about the bezels. I don't yeah. know anything. Look, yeah. look my, my gut tells me this is very much a prototype, and I'm not going to necessarily expect that what we saw uh, on stage is going to be what ships. Um, they, they've said it'll ship, you know, uh, Christmas 2020, so you're talking about more than a year out. Um I, I don't disagree that the bezels are, are big right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that when this thing ships that it will have that uh, setup. It, it it just remains to be seen, right?
1: Yeah, I guess it's a full. I mean, this is running on. Did they, have they said if it's running on XA six or yeah, it,
0: yeah, yeah? No, no. This is uh, this is custom Intel hardware that they they worked with Intel to design the chip, right? Um, and and Set- so yeah, it, it's uh, it's part of their their um uh they haven't really said much more um about it other than it's a it's a Lakefield. Processor, and so it's something that that they like worked with specifically uh, on with Intel to to kind of create.
1: Yeah, so if that's the case. You know, I I can accept bezels in this situation because it is a work computer um, that can run pro apps, and we haven't even talked about the keyboard. I think the approach to a keyboard is really interesting. Yeah, I do too. Um, so it it they're going to have another keyboard. It's kind of triangle shape that you can plop on the device and use it, uh, or there can be like a, a soft keyboard that comes with it. But it's a it's an interesting solution, very similar to the way some people use their iPad. Cases Mm -hmm. with uh, you know official Apple keyboards. I'm not sure if I like it, but I'm I'm interested. If that makes sense,
0: yeah. No, I like it. I think it makes sense. One of the things I like too is that the Surface Pen they have with it, which is the same as the Surface Pen that they have with the new Surface um, X, uh, is um, thinner now, and so it's magnetic and just kind of attaches to the back, which I think is brilliant. So that is a, a, a great solution you know, to, to getting lost. Um, past Surface devices have been really good about having either magnetics or, or little you know, slots for, for the pen to go. But I, I like that idea. And I like the idea of being able to slide the keyboard up or down. It's actually called the Wonder Bar, not the Awesome Bar. It's, oh, got is, it. Is their yeah. touch bar type of thing. But what's cool, what I actually think is interesting is that if you move the keyboard up to the top of that screen, um, on the bottom, um, the, 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 the part of the touch screen that would be visible Uh, Becomes a trackpad,
1: yeah,
0: and that I think is really smart, right? Like I think that's genius. I think that's a really, really smart idea. And I think having look, you can have a soft keyboard, that's fine, but having um, one that is uh, able to be tactile that you can just kind of use either alone, right, or just kind of you know clip on at the top. I think is smart. And and what they showed off in in the event was being able to drag things. From one screen to the other. So if you were watching like Netflix or YouTube or something on your main screen, you could drag it down to the, the touch screen on the bottom and have that playing while maybe you are working on something else. Which I think, especially for a device of this size, like this is you know, not that much bigger than kind of a, a mole skin. This isn't like a full laptop size, I think is really interesting. And so the software that they are doing with this, it's called Windows 10X. And there are still not a ton of details about that, but it's going to basically be—it's um, it, kind of like a light version of, of Windows 10 exclusively for dual screens. Like, um, like I said, this is still running on Intel hardware, but they have you know changed some things about how the start menu works and presumably some other things behind the scenes to make it um, work the right way. But to your point, you said earlier—I think you nailed it. This is one of the. Key parts of this device, what well, this will live or die by, and I think actually this whole category is going to be how the software works. And so I totally agree with you. I think as, as early as developers can get access to this as possible, um, the better the experience will be. I think we can count on things like you know Microsoft Office and and web browsing and stuff like that to work well. But you know you need Adobe on board and you need you know some other you know big app makers uh, to to do things and test things. Otherwise, um, this won't be. Um, a, a great experience, even though I think it's a great idea.
1: And, you know, it's worth saying, uh, for games, um, you know, the the Nintendo DS showed that there was a use case for having a, a screen on the top and the bottom. When totally. I was doing the Metroid 2 remake, having the screen there the entire time was worth it. If you can get developers to go through and create experiences for this that are tailored for the hardware... It just it just brings up a lot of interesting ideas, and you know, as someone that kind of feels like uh, you know the tech industry is a little bit stagnant, except for Microsoft. I just think this is very exciting.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think this is really cool. Okay, so this is the Service Neo. This will be out sometime um, next year.
1: And I misspoke earlier. I said this was the the duo. That's not true. That's the phone they the, showed. D- yeah, so the duo is the phone. Yeah, let's that. talk about the yes. phone.
0: So this was kind of their one more thing. So they show off the Neo and everybody's like going crazy. And then they're like, but what everything's leaked. You kind of knew about these things, but what about this? And then they show off this really well done video, I have to say, where they show um one of and, and the woman who stars in the video is actually one of the product uh managers on the team. Oh, and wow. which is awesome. And you know, um she pulls out like this phone and it's this dual screen phone the 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 duo and it runs Android
1: I think it's a great idea I think it's a fantastic idea um it really works with Microsoft's liquid uh data strategy right like yeah. this is this is the Microsoft um idea like uh, just to give rocket listeners a little bit of background I will never forget when Microsoft ended up buying uh oh what's what's the name of it it's the the phone maker uh was it Ericsson you No, it was bought? Nokia Nokia, right. And the CEO of Nokia writes this vivid analogy of the platform on fire. Yeah, the burning fire, platform, yeah. And they've got to leap off and try to save themselves, and it completely didn't work out. It completely um, did not work out. It really didn't. But clearly, I there's there's a room, there's, there's space for Microsoft, I think, to be doing hardware uh, on Android. This is just such a perfect fit. I'm personally never going to use Android because of the security concerns Concerns. But I think this is a great form factor. I think um, you know, if anyone's going to do stuff like this for enterprise, I can see great business use cases. And frankly, if Apple put out a product like this with two screens uh, next to each other, I'd buy it in 0.1 seconds. I mean, how do you feel?
0: No, I totally agree with you. I mean, look, iMessage controls me and and owns yep. me and so yep. I am so deeply like embedded <laughs> in the in the Apple ecosystem that I will never not have an iPhone. But yep. this is a really interesting device. What's interesting too is if you are a Windows user and I know a lot of our listeners are not, but if you are a Windows user, Windows 10 has been doing really interesting um things to actually work with Android so that you can do things like handing off calls and and even making calls and and you know, um having kind of screen sharing and stuff like that. So there's been stuff that's been happening over the last couple of years to make that experience, I guess, more akin to kind of like what you get between um, a Mac and an iPhone. And so and, and Microsoft has a launcher for Android, and there are obviously a, a ton of various, you know, Microsoft apps for Android. So on some level, it totally does make sense, I think, to make um, an Android phone. And in this way, it's, again, very similar to the the Neo, the Duo, which is what this is called. And it's in the form factor that they showed it off now. Again, this is also still prototype form. Uh, things might change. Um, it kind of has a very similar form factor to uh, to the Neo. And this is a foldable device, but it again is, it's more dual screen. I think it does actually can fold all the way back. Um, but it's not foldable in the way that the galaxy fold is for instance, like it's very much, you know, you, you see two distinct halves of, of the device. Um, and, and I I think it's, I think it's smart. I think it's an interesting way to go about this. Um, I think that regardless of the form factor, a lot of people, I hear from them all the time, um, uh, miss Windows Phone. That's never coming back. But that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities to do some interesting things with Android and with the launcher and and uh, with some of the, you know, uh, device integration uh, stuff, you know, on, on the Windows side. So I think it's cool.
1: Yeah. I th- and, you know, to me, like, what is the thing... Uh where what is a situation where Windows works better than anyone anywhere else? It's in the enterprise, right? Like if you have a large company, like Windows just dominates there for a reason. It has world-class tools there when it comes to security. There's great updates, all of that. To me, the biggest argument for Android versus iOS is it's it's very straightforward. Security, it's encryption. And you know we're going to have to wait to see this come out and see the level of support Microsoft is bringing to this and the commitment to the device. But I I can imagine a um, a market opportunity for Microsoft here. So Samsung, they're always going to have the users and do you know TouchWiz and. All of that stuff, it'll be loaded up with crapware, and that's just the way it's always going to be. I could see Microsoft coming forward and developing a product like the Surface that is very friendly with the enterprise that has strong support for for businesses to use. Because I can tell you as a campaign, I would think about using this Like very, very strongly. So um, I'm happy to see Microsoft in the the phone game. And I just, I think Android has so much potential. I just don't think any of the current makers, their needs align with mine, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I I I hear what you're saying with that. Um, I think it's really cool that they're that they're doing this. Um, it you know there have been some articles that were written that obviously you know like might they've kind of alluded to the fact that oh you know this is all going to be running Google Play services and and Google apps and whatnot. That's a good thing, honestly. Yeah. Like like you yeah. you can say you can be like oh Microsoft is you know having a hand stuff over to, to Google. Uh, I think that already happened. Like that ship already sailed, right? Like Long time ago. <laughs> well, right. And it's like, if you're not going to make your own mobile operating system, which doesn't make sense in the in the world that exists now, if you're going to say, we want people to use our software and services regardless of what platform they're on, which is what the Microsoft mission is. That's what we, um, uh, you know, always like preach in Azure. And that's clearly the message that kind of came through um, in a lot of cases at, at this event. Then that means that you go where the users are. And right. that means, okay, well, we're going to make sure that the experience that people have, whether it's it's Android or something else, is every bit as good as um otherwise. And it's like, and if that means that the Google gets, you know, some money or some some you know information or whatever out of it, like, okay, because that's that's the platform. That's where people are. It's the same reason why we have you know teams of people who work on iOS apps because right. people use them. So which are
1: fantastic, by the way. I think there's a very strong argument that Office uh, really rivals uh, Apple's tools or or exceeds them uh, on iOS. So yeah, just fantastic stuff.
0: All right, so uh, we're gonna we we only got halfway through this. We're gonna talk about a few more things, but first, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Pingdom, the company who makes website performance monitoring really easy, and so. Everybody loves a fast website, and Kingdom um, are known for helping keep your favorite websites online, including Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, Twitter, BuzzFeed, Slack. And those are just a couple of the companies that trust Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring. And websites can get pretty complicated, but you can monitor any site transaction using Pingdom. So that can be stuff like user registrations or logins or checkouts and much more. And Pingdom cares about your users having the small, uh, the smoothest. Sorry, the smoothest site experience possible. Um, And if disaster strikes, you will be the first to know. And it is super easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is your URL, and they will take care of the rest. That's it. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you use the code ROCKET at checkout, you will get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. Love them. Great stuff. Okay, so let's quickly get through um, some of the other parts of the event. So, all right, so we talked about the Neo and the Duo. Yeah, what else? Let's talk
1: about the headphones really quickly. So, uh, I'm really torn about this. Uh, Microsoft has, uh, they're putting out the Surface earbuds. Uh, I i I don't know if I love them or if they're the ugliest thing I've ever seen. They're clearly trying to compete with the airpods um, and the look of them, it's like do you know those giant like disc earrings sometimes you wear where it's exactly like that but I it goes was in your ear. I was gonna yeah.
0: say that the the look it, it kind of looks more like people who get plugs, yeah. Yeah, you know it's like um, this white thing. Yeah, so, so so they're kind of massive. And then I was kind of I'm I'm up two minds because I a, I obviously haven't put them in my ears yet. Um, although what's interesting about them is that they are um they do noise canceling, and so yep. that's that's the big thing here. And also they can transcribe your life, so they can do some interesting things where they might you know like. Uh, read things out loud to you or, or or transcribe things to you as you're when you're doing presentations and stuff like that so there's some interesting little tidbits that go along with them but what I was kind of when I looked at them I was like oh man these are massive these will not fit in my tiny tiny ears but then you look at how um, the the earbud parts of them underneath these big kind of globs that go inside your ears. Look, and that might not be true. It might actually, it might be possible that with the right size tip, they would indeed fit inside my ears. So I don't know. Um, but I think it's a it's an interesting idea uh, to, um, so like the, the transcribe feature. So there's this new feature in PowerPoint. It's actually really great. I've been using it where if um, you are talking out loud, you, your computer picks up what you're saying and then automatically translates it. Um, for the audience to see over a projector. So this is great, especially if you are speaking to an audience where English might not be their first language or uh, might be hard of hearing. And so what this does is it kind of does that like on the fly. So it basically uses its microphone to immediately transcribe what you're saying um, into other other things you might be working, on, which is kind of cool. So yeah,
1: there's also 24 hour battery life. I don't know how you roll with that with AirPods, but I have three cases and I keep cycling between them because the battery is dying constantly in them. So Yeah,
0: yeah. The, the case is 24 hour battery life. I'm not sure how long the uh, they say eight hour battery life with the ch- uh, uh, for, for for the buds themselves, which is great. Um, the noise canceling thing is good. They are two hundred and fifty dollars, so these yeah. are definitely going to be more expensive. <laughs> that this is this is expensive. Uh, like
1: <laughs> this is completely off topic. But did you see the Jacob Wool press conference going after Elizabeth Warren?
0: <laughs> I did not. So-
1: Okay, so this is a completely – very quick, as I, I promise it's going to have a payoff. So this this Republican operative puts out a press conference basically <laughs> accusing Elizabeth Warren of having an s m relationship with the 25-year-old Marine, which is laughable. Okay. And, and one of the things was it was the moment it killed AirPods for me. They had security there, and they tried to make him look like Secret Service, <laughs> having him wear a single AirPod in one ear and mime getting information – for, like security threats throughout the press conference. It was so sad. So uh, I guess Microsoft has the advantage of not uh, bringing up that image into uh, my mind. Yeah, I
0: guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. No, I mean, look, this is going to depend on on sound quality. This is going to depend on, on, yeah, on fit and yeah. finish. Uh, I think some of the smart things are obviously cool. I don't know how much that matters to most people who buy the stuff, but um, I mean, it's 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 nice to see more competition in kind of the higher end, um, the truly wireless uh, earbud space. So I'm, I'm glad to see that. And yeah. then the other stuff that was announced, there's a uh, there's the Surface Pro, there's the Surface Pro X, and then the Surface Pro 7, the Surface Pro X, and then the new laptops. Yeah. And the 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 Surface Pro 7 and the Surface Pro X. The interesting thing with the Pro X is that it is ARM based. Yeah, so, this is
1: the big thing we got to talk about. The other yeah. two, it's like it's good, it's good upgrades. We don't need to spend a lot of time. I,
0: I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on them. I would I would yeah. like to get your thoughts on the on the uh, uh, AMD laptop. But before we get into that, what do you think of yeah. the ARM based? Um, Service Pro X.
1: I am... Ten out of ten, excited for it. Facebook keeps serving me up ads about it, and I'm I'm torn, Christina. I it's nine hundred ninety nine dollars, and I love the design where the keyboard. I'm sorry, the the stylus is built into this uh, little um, compartment uh, mm-hmm. in the keyboard case. It just looks like a brilliant engineering uh, design. I've I can't tell you how often my iPad stylus falls off my iPad Pro. Same. Um. So this is a 10 out of 10 interesting device. Uh, It comes with a cellular modem built into it. So it's always on very similar to an iPad Pro with cellular. Um, The question to me is, ARM and Windows, is there developer support here in 2019 for this? And the answer is we don't know yet.
0: Right. I mean, this is interesting. So part of what has gone on behind the scenes is that rather than trying to kind of force, I guess, like full kind of emulation for – every app or get every app to be rewritten to be an x86. They're doing um, an emulation of sorts and kind of running like a, an x86 virtual machine. But the way they're doing this virtual machine is that it's not like a full, heavy VM that takes up a lot of resources. They're using the same technology that they're using with Windows Subsystem for Linux or WSL 2, uh, which will be coming out next year. And it, it, that's in previews right now. And that basically just Creates kind of like a, a very lightweight VM that spins up the resources you need to have Linux running, and then lets it exist in the same user space and access the same file system and, and I/O and whatnot um, in those apps, and in like you know Bash on on um, uh, Windows. Um, the same way that that anything native would would work, and they're going to be doing using that same technology uh, with um, the x86 emulation um, with the ARM stuff. But you're right; it does, and I think that's an actually an interesting approach and makes a lot more sense than either trying to emulate things like system wide because you might not need to if some things are are compiled both ways. Uh, yeah. But you're right; it remains to be seen to see okay how well is this performance going to be? What kind of hits will you have? Uh, what types of applications are you using, and do you use regularly that might still have issues? This is not going to be like I don't think the the, the Surface Pro X is going to be something that you run games on, and and uh, you know it's definitely a productivity device. But I certainly think it's really interesting, and the, the the power here, the potential here, is that they have something that can, in a lot of ways, you know, kind of offer what Apple offers with the iPad pro but yeah. with a much stronger emphasis on actual like functionality and productivity whereas the iPad pro is great of a device as it is even with iPad OS I would argue you still have to really kind of fight to make it work like a laptop it still is in my opinion much better as kind of like a, a lean back device and it's good for for playing back media and games and you can do work on it but it takes a little more um, finesse to kind of really get that to to work the same way you would with a laptop, whereas this is going to be much more like a laptop first, but with the type of battery life and and touchscreen and, and lightweightness and always onness that you would have with with a tablet
1: that's that is my thought down to the word, Christine. I could not agree more um, yeah you know, we I tried the surface go uh, on rocket last yeah. year, loved the form factor, loved everything about it, but ultimately. Um, the experience of using it, I I hate to use the Apple word snappy, but it just wasn't snappy. Totally, it was just a little laggy and slow, and potentially, potentially arm could solve that if if they go through do the work make highly optimized app experiences for this in a windows device like this where i can check my email where i can do photoshop where i can can use slack and it's optimized and ready for business that is a 10 out of 10 product and you know it's it's really similar to the ipad right that first generation ipad they compared it to the the moon lander where where they were trying to land on the moon and they couldn't figure out how to to save enough weight to get them there and they ended up throwing away the seats so the astronauts could stand I think that's really a situation similar to these Windows devices. If you want to have a truly portable machine with world-class battery life, we're going to have to say, you know what, this is not going to run everything Windows has ever done. But we're committed to making an ecosystem in ARM that is everything you use here is just going to be amazing. And I just think that's the best thing Microsoft could possibly do.
0: No, I agree. And I think that what you, I think you kind of nailed it. I think if you go in with the expectation that I'm going to have some applications that might be older and that might not work as well, that, uh, you know, have them been updated, that they will run, but it might not be a great experience. Um, if you go in with that expectation that there are some things that it won't be perfect for, but if I am going after kind of my, my core must use apps, going after my websites, going after, like you said, going after things like Slack, using, you know, email, having um, you know a uh, 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 office obviously um, having you know stuff like that that it, if that experience can be uh, brought around and be snappy and you can get good battery life for a lot of people that's going to be really important but you have to kind of understand like the the trade-off here obviously is that unlike an iPad where you do have a really big ecosystem of games and of media, you know, stuff and whatnot, um, that's not going to be necessarily uh, here for this because I don't know what game performance is going to be like, but I'm sure that it's it's going to be limited. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you have apps, you have Netflix apps and, and things like that. So you can obviously watch media, but it's not, you know, the, you don't have the full kind of, broad ecosystem the same way that iOS does. But I'm really looking forward to seeing reviews and and seeing how this works. The last thing I wanted to touch on, and then I promise we will stop talking about the Microsoft (laughs) stuff. I just wanted to get your thoughts. So they announced the Surface Laptop 3, and there's a new uh, version. There's a 15-inch model. And the 15-inch model has like a custom AMD uh, chip. And they worked with AMD on this. That's really interesting to me. And I wanted to get your thoughts because AMD has been, we haven't talked about them a lot on the show, but they've been killing it with processors. The Ryzen desktop processor is frankly wiping the floor with Intel right now in in all the benchmarks and everything. And this is interesting in that I haven't seen like, we we haven't seen a high-end AMD laptop in years. And so I wanted to get your thoughts uh, on that as kind of a, a graphics person.
1: So the first um, we talked about this on rocket when the first uh, uh, you know uh, Microsoft laptop came out and one of the things they uh, they brought to the they they advertised it with is uh the keyboard would have a separate graphics uh, processor built in so when yep. it was in tablet when it was in tablet mode it would run one way yep. and then when it was separated it wouldn't then Ars Technica got their hands on it and did actual tests and they were not able to discern any kind of uh difference Uh, between it in those two modes, like with the external graphics and without it, which disappointed me. So that was my first thought when I saw this. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think AMD is Always been underrated. Um, I would love to see this, uh, but I need to see ours put it through its paces before yeah. I can say anything, if that makes sense.
0: Totally, totally. the one thing I would point out, just, just so uh listeners know, is that the laptop is not, it's not the service book where you it's detachable. This is an actual Sorry.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's the actual notebook itself. So
0: it's an actual notebook, yeah. So so in this case, it's gonna be a little bit different. Um, but I am actually very interested in seeing the um, I guess uh, benchmarks that come down between because they're using the the tenth gen Intel processor on the thirteen inch and then this brand new um, AMD chip that they worked with uh, AMD on for the laptop and so I'm really interested to see because they, they they worked um, uh, it's it's a Surface Ryzen Edition is what the chip is called and it's uh, you know been co engineered uh, with them I think it's going to be really interesting and I'm I'm kind of at that place where I'm waiting to see the uh, the uh, Benchmarks, and I'm also waiting to see. I guess if Apple does announce like their 16 inch laptop, because I'm probably going to buy one of them. Um, yeah. And and the, but the but the 15 inch service laptop three, it has finally they have USB C, which is good. They have
1: God, yeah, yes. you know,
0: and and um, you can get them. You know, pretty powerful. They're, they're thin. They're supposed to be. You know, they're, they're claiming that this Ryzen is the fastest graphics of any laptop in this class, meaning thin like this, but. We'll need to wait to see for, for ours and maybe um, um, uh, um, some uh, an and some of the other places, uh, Linus Tech Reviews to to put these things through the paces. But I'm definitely um, looking forward to that. And and there is a very cool. Uh, I think they call it like a um, like sand or something sandstorm, but it's it's basically yep. pink. So there's a color that I like. Uh, unfortunately, that's only available for the 13 inch though. But yeah. uh, all right, so that's that's been our very overly long deep dive on the service event. Um, so uh, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Zapier. So growing a business is hard, and this is especially difficult when you're spending hours every day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to whatever else. And and I know that Bree can relate to this, and I can certainly relate to this too. So wouldn't it be easy if all of these things worked together without you having to lift a finger? Well. Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. And so what it does is it connects all your business software and it handles all that work for you so that you can focus on the things that matter most. So you don't need to waste any more time on tasks that you know could be automated because that's what Zapier was built to do. So if you, you know, work in sales, for instance, Zapier can let you engage with a lead and then send them to uh, your CRM or a spreadsheet directly from that lead uh, email. And then you can notify your team so that they can act fast on every opportunity. Um, Um, But whatever your business is, you can um, build the exact solution that you need in minutes. And you can do this without writing code or asking a developer for help. And so with support for more than 1,500 business applications, it's no wonder that more than 4.5 million people are saving 40 hours a month using Zapier. And so I've used uh, Zapier in the past to create uh, kind of complex Slack integration so that if something, if a Slack bot posted something in Slack, then a, a Zapier would take hold and take that link and import it uh, into say airtable or something else so that's some interesting things where I could even you know uh, upload a file and, and, and use a command and connect those two things together so zapier is a really great way to um, just automate all the things that you need to do and have all the different services that you use work together and so right now through November you can try zapier for free by going to zapier.com slash rocket that's z a p i e r dot com slash rocket. For your 14 day free trial. So you can go there right now, check it out, and it will save you so much time. That's zapier.com slash rocket. And our thanks to Zapier for their support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. All right. All right. So. Let's now get into we've <laughs> we, we've wanted to put this off. This is part of why we talked about the service event for so long. Yeah. We want to put this off. <sighs> so well, there. Um, as many of you who are listening probably know, uh, for the last uh, several months, uh, there have been protests happening in Hong Kong. Um, the the people of Hong Kong, many of them, have taken to the streets to protest what they see as um, uh, over involvement and and a stronger hand uh, on the part of the Chinese government. And this has led to a lot of violence. This has led to shutdowns of airports. This has led to um, people, you know, uh, uh, in, in the police, uh, you know, uh, trying to track down um, a- activists and and people's devices. This is a, a really uh, bad situation. Frankly, a lot of people, I, I would be one of them, say it's, it's becoming a human rights issue. And um, earlier this week, um, Hearthstone, the, the Blizzard game, during one of, I guess, their e-tournaments, during the, the stream or the after uh, part, the winner of the competition made, who's from Hong Kong, made a statement on the live stream that um, in support of Hong Kong. Um, the Chinese government had a massive problem with this. And as a result, Blizzard um, suspended the player from um, competition for a year, uh, took away his prize money, and uh, basically sent out several statements apologizing to the Chinese government for oh. uh, the disrespect that they, that they said. Um, now, this, this situation, this is the tech part. Uh, what you might have heard about as listeners, if you didn't hear about the Blizzard situation, was that on Sunday, uh, uh, the general manager for the, the Houston Rockets the NBA team uh, sent out a tweet, which as uh, Ben Thompson from uh, uh, uh pointed out, Twitter's not even accessible in China, but he sent out a tweet showing his support for Hong Kong. And with that, uh, you know, uh, tweet, the uh, the Chinese government immediately um, uh, said that uh, the NBA was being disrespectful of, of China. Uh, they pulled two of the preseason games that uh, were, were going to take place in China. Tencent, who has a streaming agreement with uh, the Rockets in China, has said that they won't be streaming uh, the Rockets games anymore, and uh, again, the the NBA has all but kind of fallen over itself to apologize to the Chinese government. So, with the Blizzard situation, I think especially um, a lot of uh, gamers in the United States and in other parts of the world are really, really upset that Blizzard, which at this point Activision, who owns Blizzard, is uh, about four point five percent or something like that of, of the company is owned by by Tencent, and uh, a Chinese company, and Um, they uh, are very, very angry and are talking about, you know, boycotting uh, games, uh, unsubscribing from the the various, you know, Blizzard subscriptions. And uh, some employees even walked out this week. So Bree, as a, (laughs) As a candidate for office, I know this becomes like a, because this is a deeply political issue, unfortunately. Um, It it is about human rights and about freedom of speech and about those things, but it's also deeply political because people who live in Hong Kong and people who live in China see the situation completely differently. So what's your perspective on this, Brie, as both, you know, kind of a, a, both now a politician, but also as like a former, (laughs) you know, developer, gamer, and and whatnot. and my husband is
1: Chinese. And your husband is Chinese. My in law immigrated here from China, and um, so... I guess just starting at the very top, um, you know, marrying into my, my family has really changed my perception of China. Um, and I, I, I do think that generally speaking, the conversation we have about China in America is very simplistic at its best. And at its worst, I think you could call it racist. Um, you know, different societies make different choices. That said, look, There's no reasonable person that's not going to argue that China is just a a very authoritarian society when it comes to freedom of the press. And the idea that China needs to be protected from a hearthstone player in America criticizing him is beyond ridiculous. Um, And let's be real here. Uh, Tencent is a huge company, and they have placed huge uh, bets in equity in the video game industry. Yes. They own a ton of Blizzard. They own a ton of Unreal Engine, which I specialize in. Uh, they own a ton of different game studios. Um, so the the truth is, you're kind of at the behest of the people that own you, and they are exercising some of this control here to to silence this 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 player um as a, a as a personal statement from where i sit here in america i'm not from hong kong and i don't know what it's like to live in a society that's half british and half chinese and has very complex identity because of that but i i do have to say uh, you know martin luther king once said a riot is the language of the unheard and when people are out there in hong kong Protesting for weeks, months on end, on ways that really risk their safety, it, it any reasonable person can see that and say that people here are feeling unheard. Um, you know, China's has really worked hard to scrub the Tiananmen Square incident from their history. Uh, it's it's the most heavily censored subject in China, and I think that there's a tendency when. These situations come up to kind of erase it, and I, I think, I think my message to them would be: this is not a tactic that is going to. Um, quell things in Hong Kong. You're going to have to listen and make some structural changes there. So that's kind of my position. How do you feel about it?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't have any family who is from Hong Kong or from China. Uh, I do have some friends who uh, immigrated from China to the United States. I also have some friends who used to live in Hong Kong, um, and and I, I follow people, and And obviously I think most of the media that and most of the people that I talk to are much more sympathetic to the Hong Kong perspective than, than to China's perspective, for me, putting any of that aside, I'm really, really, really bothered by American companies, whether they have Chinese investors or not, um, basically censoring or condemning or punishing people for making speech that— Is uh, in some way that the, the Chinese government deems incorrect. It, it yeah. would be that that really bothers me, and it's that's really problematic. I think you know for the NBA that becomes especially egregious, right? Because this yeah. is like the National Basketball Association, and they're very actively saying, you know, we we see. I, I'm not trying to draw parallels between the, the NFL and the, and the NBA. I realize they're different leagues, but we see what the NFL you know, we'll do, you know, to, to call him, um, you know, uh, uh versus, you know, the NBA, all but like kowtowing to, to the Chinese government. I mean, it's, it's amazing that they haven't fired the general manager of the rockets, right? But I'm sure that he feels very pressured to step down, which is uh, ridiculous because he sent a tweet. Uh, ben Thompson, who um, lives in Asia, wrote a, a really great article uh, about kind of the, the China um, uh, culture clash. And, it's a it's a really good read, um, and but he points out which I think is really important, which is that China started this. China was the one who started censoring, you know, U.S. content first. They're the ones who you know have put limits on what could be done in their country from our services as, as they try to enter things, and that they kind of started this. And a lot of you know U.S. tech companies and, and other companies have still made the decision to either accept Chinese investments or to try to make. Um, you know, entryways into China and follow those terms. That's a, that's a, that's a business choice. And, and people can make their own decisions if they think it's worth it or not. But I think you can, you can say China won't allow our content to be uh, there and, and we can accept that. But I feel like for me, where China's uh, permission stops and it's no longer okay is when they then censor what people who are not in China are saying right. and are doing, and that becomes or, or and are doing on platforms that are not controlled by these yeah. places. That's really really bothersome to me. Like I have really massive, like fundamental problems with companies kowtowing to the demands of. Of any government, but yet alone, let alone you know governments that have a history of uh, uh you know like just civil rights and 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 human rights violations. It's it it's deeply problematic. Violations. It's massive. Yeah. V- I mean, you, you talk about Tiananmen Square and how they've all but tried to do, to wipe that from their from their history. You know, those images, those are things that as American citizens, I hope that every every student in the fourth fifth grade. Sees those images the way that I did, and the way that yeah. that you did. You know that the, they yeah. are taught these things, right? Because they need. It's important to know this is. We can say that we're a globalist, you know, uh, society, and and that it, and this and that, and that's that's great. Uh, you need to be aware that yeah, there are still differences, and I'm very bothered by uh, U.S. companies um, basically being willing to kind of roll over because the the Chinese government was offended. Yeah.
1: I couldn't agree more. And but at the same time, and I God, please, rocket listers, I'm not defending this this horse duty. I it, it is a bad situation. I don't I spoke out against this on Twitter. I support the protests in Hong Kong. There is a price we pay when our major companies in the United States take capital from yes. China. They yes. don't do that for completely innocuous reasons. No, they don't. I could I could sit here and have a very long discussion about what 10 cent investment has done to various companies in the game industry some of it's good some in some instances they've saved companies from being bankrupt and they've they've made the products better In others, their meddling has fundamentally compromised game design. It has forced people to quit because the workplace has become toxic. And it has stopped them from creating the art that they set out in their careers to do. And we need to be wide-eyed and honest about that. But what I can't forgive, I think if Blizzard had guts, if Mm -hmm. the NBA had guts here, there is a really serious precedent on the line here. Like, just taking... Taking China in the United States, just take the political stuff out of the equation. Are we going to alter American society to bow to Chinese norms? Or are we going to say, you know what, if you're coming and you're doing business here, this is... This is our society. These are our values. This is how we operate. You know, when uh, Google goes to China and does search engines, they have certain restrictions on what could be uh, looked at because that's your culture. This is ours. Exactly. We criticize things. And you need to cowboy up and hear it.
0: I agree. And I would actually point out, and this was um, one of the the challenges that Google is having. This is actually one thing that I have respected Google for for a very long time. Google pulled out of China in 2009. They pulled out of China and they said, we will not have our search engine here. We will not have our services here. What's actually happened is that because they've given up that potentially massive you know, income stream, um, now the company has tried to to get back in in some other ways. And when employees have found out there there have been protests, there was a really good um, uh, Wired article um, last month that covered the last three years of the things that have happened at Google. And a lot of it has been led by you know kind of employees uh, fighting back. And a lot of it really started with you know kind of kind of the shift in, in Google's own culture where they went from being a company who was willing to say we're not going to we we will give up this money for this um but i think you, you make a great point which is that when we are in your country we will follow you know and we're operating businesses we will follow your rules but what we do in our country follows yeah. our rules yeah. um and and i think that's a that's a really fair way of putting it um it, my heart goes out to to everyone who is you know, honest reason is protesting in Hong Kong. Um, yeah. but, I wish we'd
1: do the same thing here in this country. I mean, honest. you know, yeah.
0: I, I, well, what's, what's really interesting is that the, the protest movements, much of them, you know, are, are informed by what happened in the United States and in earlier generations. Uh, obviously, you know, protests have happened in other countries too, but you know, it is that, it's that same sort of playbook. And um, I don't disagree. I think that, that, you know, protesting is, that's why it's part of the first amendment. Um, it, it's an important um, thing, but uh, yeah, I mean Blizzard. I, I'm disgusted with Blizzard. I will say that.
1: I, I completely agree. It takes a lot to get Gamergate and the game industry to agree on things, and we are all 100 percent in agreement today on yeah, this. So. Yeah, it, it'll be
0: interesting. <laughs> Blu- uh, Blizzard has this thing called BlizzCon, which is like their own, like like their their, their their you know D23, like their own fandom convention or whatever, and it's in a couple weeks. And that's going to be really, really interesting to see if they address this, what they do. I'm, I'm thinking that they're just hoping this will blow over, but I don't think this is going to blow over.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. Oh, what a terrible situation.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, we don't want to dwell too much on this, but um, the, we had to cover it. It's massive story, and and it's. As as you said, Bree, there's a, a lot of Chinese kind of input and, and and input from other countries too. It's not just China. And we're certainly not anti-Chinese on this show. As you said, I think that the the way that China is covered is not always fair, but um had to cover that. So yep. this episode is brought to you by Eero, and Eero is a game changer because it means actually being able to access the internet from anywhere in the house, which how great is that, right? So you know how there's like always that one room that has the unreliable Wi-Fi connection? Uh, I know like in in my apartment before we had like our mesh set up, it was like one of the bathrooms where like a certain place didn't work, which, you know, when you want to play, you know, Candy Crush or whatever on your phone while you're doing your business can be pretty annoying. And so like, there's nothing that's more irritating than trying to catch up on, you know, some YouTube videos when you're in that kind of dead corner and then have to deal with buffering. So this is why Eero is great, because it blankets your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi, eliminating poor coverage, dead spots, and buffering. And this means that you will consistently have a strong signal wherever you need it. And um, I, uh, I've i actually reviewed and tested most of the, the major mesh systems that exist, um, and, and mesh systems meaning where you have multiple routers set up all over the house to give you Fully blanketed Wi-Fi and uh, Eero is is hands down the easiest to set up. It's it's super easy um, to, uh, to to plug in and you just use a smartphone app to get it configured. And it makes it's a much much better experience than using the the Wi-Fi router that might come with you know your your cable modem or or um, you know might be provided to you by your DSL service or whatever the case may be. And uh, it, it makes it really good to be able to, you know, catch up on, on The Politician, which is a Netflix show I very much like while you're in the bathroom. Without <laughs> I haven't seen to, it. Is it good? It's really good. Ryan Murphy oh. uh, did it and oh. uh, so it's great. Gwyneth Paltrow's in it and uh, oh. the, the the kid from um, um, uh, Ben What's-His-Face uh Anyway, I can't think of the name. It's really good. It's the politician is really good stuff. But anyway, you know, you can like check out the politician while you're in that dead corner of your apartment, <laughs> and it's not dead because you're able to like watch the full show. Woo. So Eero is uh, the Wi-Fi your home deserves, and uh, it t- constantly gives you the strongest signal wherever you need it. And there's an all-new Eero which is starting at just ninety nine dollars. So now it's actually really affordable for everyone, and uh, you can set it up in just minutes. You just plug it in uh, to your modem or your router box, and then you can manage. It from a super simple app, which lets you do uh, cool stuff like pause the Wi-Fi while everyone is eating dinner, or if you want to, you know, like play a prank on 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 one of uh, your your roommates or your spouse or your kids. I mean, that's a good way to make people mad, but also kind of funny. Uh, and you can also get alerts if any device tries to join your network. So if you want to put limits to what people are putting on the network, you can see that. And um, Eero is, is totally fixed uh, a, a lot of. You know uh, my Wi-Fi problems when when we've seen them, and you don't you don't have any dead spots, no more buffering, and you can get yours uh, uh, your Wi-Fi fixed as soon as tomorrow. So go to ero.com slash rocket and then enter the code rocket at checkout to get free overnight shipping with your order. So that's e e r o dot com slash rocket and then use the code rocket at checkout and you can get your euro delivered with free overnight shipping. And you've got to use the URL to get the um the offer. And once again that is euro.com slash Rocket. Use the code Rocket and our thanks to euro for their support of this show and relay FM.
1: I absolutely love my ERA. Great device, great product.
0: Awesome stuff. All right. So uh now it is time for dessert. Yes. All oh right. my gosh. All right. So I want to so I saw The Joker this weekend and so did you Brie. What were your thoughts? I saw it
1: opening night. So, you know, there was a a lot of political discussion about this movie before um before it came out. Uh I had I I had editors reaching out to me asking me to write about it, condemning it. And I'm just like, I haven't even seen the damn thing. Right? What do you want me to say about this? I saw a trailer? And that is it. So I made the, I guess, stupid decision to just shut my damn mouth until I saw the movie.
0: I'm glad. I'm glad you did. And, and More and people could have
1: listened there, to you. And and I went there opening night and I saw it. And I this is a good movie. It's not Christopher Nolan Batman quality.
0: It no, is a solid
1: film. It's a solid film. With an amazing performance by uh Joaquin by Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix mm-hmm. Just amazing. Um, but I just—it's hard to not see this movie and put it in perspective with the the fury that happened before of it. And the just in, in case Rocket listeners were lucky enough to to dodge all of this, it's like, oh, is this a film that could cause mass shootings? Oh, is this all about white male anger and resentment? Could it cause this? And having seen the film. The, I, I I'm not gonna spoil it here, but it's it's Joker's a very unreliable narrator. Yeah. And so, uh, the, he does feel victimized by everything around him. But at the same time, there are all these clues in the movie that nothing he feels is happening to him is actually the way it happened. Because there's constantly this discrepancy between the the acts of violence against him or the things said to him versus what the reality is. So, I, I, my interpretation of this film as I saw this is – This is someone who is clearly mentally ill, um, but is also making choices that are violent towards other people. And his persecution is both real and it's not real. And that's not a message that glorifies going and doing a mass shooting, in my opinion. Um, So, solid film, not worth all the political ink spilled before it, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say I um it's 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 a good film. It's well done. Todd Phillips, uh the director, I think did a good job with it. I would totally agree this is Walking Phoenix who was given some very good performances, you know, notably and and um Walk the Line and uh The Master and her, you know, he um uh this is an amazing performance on his part. He is in almost every frame of the film, almost all of it takes place from his, you know, kind of point of view. And as you say, that point of view, you know, he's not the most reliable narrator, but his performance is is astounding. It's it's really good. Um, it was sort of funny that it came out like the same day that all the the Martin Scorsese, you know, like hahaha uh, <laughs> happened. No, which was which the reason also I— also dumb. Yeah, oh, I mean, you know, look, I I love and I stand Martin Scorsese. Period. He can he can say whatever he wants, and I'm not I'm. He has the right to, in my opinion. That's all yeah. I'm going to say about that. But, um, but I thought I, it was sort I of- will
1: say I don't agree with his opinion. But it's Martin <laughs> Scorsese. Okay. He well, gets well, to have yeah. his own opinions. Yeah, Sorry no, for cursing. I know uh, yes, no, no, that's fine. You're, you're, yes. you're,
0: you're totally, you're totally right. Uh, <laughs> he is, in fact, uh, uh, and so he can say whatever he wants. So, so the film is it. It borderlines on, on being a little bit uh it's an homage and i would say it kind of borders on being a little bit derivative of two scorsese films the first being taxi driver uh starring robert de niro who's also in uh the joker and then um the uh the king of comedy um which uh, also stars robert de niro so both of these are are martin scorsese films and if you've seen either of those films uh especially taxi driver I, there's a, a lot of similarities between that and, and the Joker. Uh so I did think it was sort of funny. The fanboys who were like pilloring Scorsese, I'm like, okay, you do realize the thing that you're going to see this weekend is right. like 100 percent is like completely yes. like the, you know, the like wrote the 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 outline for, for for Joker. So yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of the I guess hand wringing, um, about some of the the damage that the film could do, I think it's interesting. I think it probably was overblown. Having said that, it is important to note that uh, there was a near there was an assassination attempt on uh, Ronald Reagan uh, because yeah. of Taxi Driver. Like it's yeah. not Scorsese's fault, but that was what the uh, the shooter in that case was mentally ill and mentally disturbed, and was very obsessed with that film and literally tried to kill the president to impress Jodie Foster because he. Yeah wanted to act out taxi driver so these I, are
1: I didn't know this the subway scene where he attacks the Wall Street guys this is based on a famous New York crime yes where um, basically a, a, a white guy, a white guy, um, and he got claimed off. Mm-hmm. that four black men were asking him for money. Yep. Um, there's no proof of that, but that was his defense. It was kind of seen as you know this man standing up, I guess, against crime. Uh, he, he was a, yeah. a
0: vigilante subway shooter, and, and it was one of those things where a lot of people came out in favor of him. Right. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, you know, there, there were some historical uh, things in the film, but also I would say I I was just pointing out that past films have led to, uh, we like to we sometimes tend to think about the violence that has come from the movies in like very recent terms it's this is something that unfortunately uh, goes back and i think it's unfair uh to to blame or to try to draw causation with, with films and those events part of me though wonders how much in in some weird kind of sick way the the fear and kind of the mongering and kind of like the the you know Talking head stuff about that and, oh, what, what's the potential for this stuff and having cops at the theaters and that sort of thing. If that wasn't in a backwards kind of cynical, gross way, not, and I don't think Warner Brothers wanted this to be very clear, but if that didn't help the film at the box office. Yeah, because it kind of draws your attention, kind of makes you think, oh well, I need to go see this now because it's da- it has this era it has this like aura of of danger that it wouldn't have otherwise. And yeah. having seen the film, I don't think the final film feels dangerous.
1: No, well, I mean, I guess I'm frustrated, Christina, because we do have a gun violence epidemic in this country, and we're not a political podcast, so I'm not going to get into it. But I will say, if we want to address mass shootings the science and the data is very clear about what we do we work on gun safety legislation we don't censor movies that is right. a stupid solution agreed and i just feel like the i feel like sometimes the left just focuses on these things that that feel good instead of getting to the root of the problem here i i am not ever going to agree to censor art in a way that could potentially um like address a political problem i think the way we do this is we have a discussion about the art and this has worked in the game industry by the way yeah uh, if you look at where games were 10 years ago with the ridiculous sexualization of the average woman in a game the answer is not to censor it. It's We had this discussion like, look at this, what message is this sending? Maybe we can do it this way. Maybe this is more appropriate. Maybe this will bring in women players. And Dead, and Dead or Alive is still out there and you can spend $100 on nearly naked costumes if that's your bag. But we also have all these games that have come out with really strong, awesome women exactly. characters, which is a win for everyone. So to me, the answer to this is to critique the film after it's come out it's not to fearmonger about a piece of art you have not seen yet
0: no, I one thousand percent agree and what you said is just kind of in a lot of ways has been one of the core arguments for free speech, which is that the you know best antidote to uh, speech you don't like is more speech and um, and I, I think that that's true whether you're talking about video games or or film and in this case i don't even think there was really anything that kind of a, egregious about the film like i I'm with you I felt like it was kind of overblown in a sense, but I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting film. Um, It's certainly not a feel-good film. This is certainly not something you want to, you know, you do not take the family to this, and and this is, you know, uh, I don't know if I'm going to watch this again. Um, If I did, it wouldn't be one of those things that I would seek out to watch repeatedly. Weirdly, I have seen Taxi Driver many, many times, but that is... I don't know, I think that's uh well it's a it's a better film. But I it is, uh, yeah. I to be woo subjective uh, no, it's like it's fact. But <laughs> but, but I mean I'm I a bit, a bit like I, I agree that.
1: with you, by the way. I I just have to say, like uh, Natalie Portman did a film called Black Swan. Oh, it's one of my favorite and films. It, it's a great film, but I will never see that a second time because it left me feeling like absolute crap when i left oh, i the I, I, theater. I don't disagree i,
0: I love that film yeah. i saw that i saw black swan in the theater with my mom oh my god <laughs> can you imagine like the, oh my god. the can you imagine like Krinos uh-huh, that whole, uh-huh. Oh i was gosh. gonna say can you imagine that scene and if you've seen black swan you know the scene i'm talking about imagine sitting next to your mother Wow. While that is happening. Yeah. That was.
1: Especially your mom, who is a little more conservative than maybe some people. Well, she are. is.
0: Well, it's yep. weird. Like, uh, don't. Her Facebook belies her, right? Because she yep. puts this crap on Facebook. And then I'm like. I love your mom. I love, I love my love mom, mom, too, yeah. so much. Yeah. But I'm just going to say I get frustrated because, like, I think she just <laughs> listens to people who don't actually have her opinions at heart because my mother is yep. the same woman who saw Brokeback Mountain in the theater with me when it was only in three theaters in Atlanta and last, and 2 years ago we saw Call Me By Your Name together oh, wow. in the theater like when it was in two theaters in Atlanta so and she liked both of them so my mom is when it comes to movies much more open minded than you would think but sure. that is still not what you expect <laughs> to see that the that scene in Black Swan that's just I even the most open, it would be weird if you felt comfortable <laughs> yes. sitting next yes. to your mom yes. while yes. that happens. Is all I'm saying.
1: That just makes the Black Swan experience more Black Swan. It to honestly be honest. does. It, it yes. really does.
0: And then yeah, there's yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Wow. Huh. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, this is a good film. I do have to say, I, I feel like there is a a difference. Uh, so a lot of movie critics are white guys. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the conversation I've seen on Twitter is, is you know, uh, male film critics. And no criticism. We all have our perspective that we bring to the table. And they're like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. This is amazing. This is a good film with an excellent performance in it. It's not the greatest movie ever made. It's no, just not. no, no,
0: But but it's a good film. I will say no. this: I will be very, very, very angry if Joaquin Phoenix is not nominated for Best Actor for this Agreed. film. Like that, that would that would very much bother me. Do I think this film deserves the Best Picture? We gotta wait till the end of the year. Um, I, I don't know right now. I wouldn't put it up there. But if they have ten nominees, yeah, maybe right. Like maybe it fits into the top ten. But this is yeah. certainly like Joaquin Phoenix who has a. a career of very strong performances this is one of his strongest um, I agree. and and yeah. uh and you know um he, he's an amazing actor to think that the same guy plays Johnny Cash as, as the Joker is really kind of an astounding thing to to kind of you know uh have in, in mind but that's beside the point so yeah so I mean you know Joker I I I if you like dark films I think it's worth watching I, if you like Superhero films. This is the one thing I would say about this. This is really only a superhero film in the sense that the character's name is Joker. Yep. I there's nothing. Agree. There's nothing else part of this that really has any much to do with like the lore of. I mean, there's a Batman
1: cameo. But yeah, but it's very superficial. It's, it's, but it's, it's inconsequential.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. renamed those characters, it would not matter. Like this isn't yeah. like you, even with the Nolan films, you could argue like those are still Batman films. This is literally like if you you could like do a command F like a search and replace <laughs> and you could yep. just replace like those references and the film would still be very good. But um, anyway, so uh, well that does it for this episode of rocket. Uh, Bree, what are you up to this week? What am I up to
1: this week? Oh, I had something really excited. I wanted to tell you about, well, I found a group and we're going to talk about this next week with Simone. It is a fan group for Simone and other polygon personalities. Oh my gosh. I sent you the link uh-huh. in, in Skype. So we're gonna join it and we're gonna tell Polygon fans dark secrets about Simone. So that's gonna be my fun for this week. Uh other than that, uh, you know, it's just a it's a big week of uh of uh uh doing the political thing. Uh we're starting canvassing. And uh, I've got a really big piece on election security. It's going to be coming out uh, for the Boston Club soon.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And I've just been busy with work. Um, uh, Microsoft Ignite, the big conference in Orlando, is the first week of November. And then immediately after that, I will be going to Paris for the uh, first uh, kickoff stop of Microsoft Ignite, the tour. And so I have been in... uh, uh, content creation, uh, shall we say, um, hell and, uh, but it'll be good, but it's just been a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, I might
1: be in Orlando on November 1st, by the way. So, nice. I will be there on oh the gosh. second. So maybe, Ooh, yeah,
0: so maybe, maybe we'll all right. overlap. All right. Um, all right. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. Uh, uh, Bri, uh where can, uh, where can we find you on, uh, online?
1: You can find me on Brianna Wu on Twitter and you can find me at developer Brianna Wu on Facebook.
0: And you can find me online at Film Underscore Girl on the Twitter and the Instagrams. And uh, you can find me, uh, the stuff I do at work, the videos I do at work, at YouTube.com slash Microsoft. You can find uh, Simone de Rochefort at Polygon.com and also at Doom Quasar on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like this episode, uh, please give this a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out and lets more people know about the show. And also, like, tell all of your friends because even though this was kind of a rambly episode, you know we usually have a good time so it's a good uh, show it's a yeah. good show so uh thank you to uh to eero and um uh, zapier and kingdom for your support this episode of rocket is terminated terminated